Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, March 9th, 2021. Well, as a father of three young children with a fourth on the way, I am used to the sound of little children crying out for something. And obviously that can sound different from the cries of an infant to the whines of a toddler till the pleas of, you know, the slightly older child. And what I've noticed is even as kids, even with hopefully biblical training kind of grow out of that, even us as adults, we get just get a little more sophisticated in it because the reality is we're all crying out to somebody every day for the most part. And it's just a matter of how are we crying out and to whom are we crying out? And that's what I want us to see a good example of, really maybe a picture that we should apply to our own lives as we think about who are we crying out to today. And really, it's just this simple story that we see at the end of Matthew chapter 20, as we look at verses 29 through 34, which tells a simple story of Jesus going out of Jericho and behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside, it says in verse 30. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out. Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. A very short uh, story there, uh, but so much truth and really power in that story. You see these two really desperate blind men who they know that Jesus is coming by. How often was that going to happen to them? And even though they are told to stop, even though they are told to be quiet, they cry out all the more. And clearly it expresses a faith in Jesus. And I love even the title that they use, Son of David. Uh, clearly connecting him to King David, very likely a messianic title that they have a sense of who Jesus is. And they have a sense of their own problem and really the idea that Jesus is the only one who can help them. And Jesus is. He, he's the one that has the pity where you see the crowd lacks pity for these two men. Jesus has compassion on them, but more than just compassion, he actually has the power to do something about it. And he opens their eyes. And I love how it ends. Immediately, they recovered their sight and followed him. So there's a lot to unpack in this little story. But what I want us to see really is that sense of just the humble desperation of the blind men. And I want all of us to realize that is something that we should have today. Uh, and really, you can think of this passage really as a picture of crying out for salvation, someone really just throwing themselves on the mercy of Jesus Christ, admitting I am blind and I need a savior to open up my eyes so that I can see. And hopefully, if you're listening to this podcast, you have done that. You have turned from your sin and put your faith in Christ. Jesus has opened your eyes. But what I want us to understand is now as we go forward, 
the blindness has gone away, uh, not because of anything we've done or because we've got it all figured out now, but because Jesus has opened our eyes and given us sight. But that desperation really shouldn't go away. That should be kind of an ongoing attitude throughout our Christian life, just of humble, even desperate dependence on God. I think this is actually a good uh, illustration of what we see at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, those list of that list of beatitudes as they're known. The very first one, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, what what does poor in spirit mean? Well, instead of giving you a definition, let me give you a picture. It's these blind guys, right? But really, people that have the attitude of these blind guys, not about their physical sight, but about the needs of their own souls. So I want to encourage you today. Are you running to Christ and crying out to him, looking at the needs of your life, looking at the needs of your soul and realizing I need a savior, except I think we can have, I mean, these men clearly had faith. I think we can even have greater confidence as we call out to God. And I think another takeaway we can get from these two men is their persistence, right? They are told to be quiet and no, it says they cried out all the more. Even as we look to God to fulfill our needs, may we cry out with with desperation, may we cry out with faith, and may we cry out with persistence today. So I don't know what's on your heart today, uh, but may we all be taking what's on our heart, and most importantly, hopefully that's some of our spiritual needs, and crying out to Jesus today, the one who has compassion and the one who has power to do something about it. And really seeing more about the character of God, let's turn now to Psalm 33 and verse 13 through 22. And really the the beginning speaks of how the Lord sees. It says he looks down from heaven and he sees all the children of men. He is enthroned on high, but he is looking down and he knows what's going on. And that's why it's not about having a great army. It's not about being strong. It's God who rescues. It's God who brings salvation. And we need to realize that. And if we realize that, we'll become less dependent on ourselves, on our own ingenuity, and more dependent on God and his mercy. And so even as we do maybe think through our practical needs and you think through your business or you think through your job or you think through your family, right? Our hope should not be in ourselves, right? Whatever the modern equivalent is, you know, the, the great army and the warrior is not delivered by his great strength. Well, we shouldn't be trusting in our bank accounts or we shouldn't be uh, trusting in our skills or our abilities. We should be trusting in God. We want to be those people who are poor in spirit, but we have great confidence that although we are poor in spirit, we serve and we trust a great God. And we can have a confidence in that. And that confidence is expressed really there in verses 18 and 19. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Right? Those who fear the Lord, those who are looking to him, they will be provided for. They can have great confidence in God to provide for them. And we see again that confidence in the last three verses of the psalm. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. And may that be our 
hope and our confidence today that we're crying out to God because we sense our need, but we're also rejoicing because we sense God's greatness and his ability and compassion to meet our needs. Next, let's go to Numbers chapter 8 and 9 today. Chapter 8 really focuses mostly on the Levites and really their their cleansing and even their retirement, how they kind of their time of service was to be from 25 years old to 50 years old. But we see how they were set apart, and it even reminds us that at first, God said, give me the firstborn. As God killed the firstborn of the Egyptians, he said, hey, the firstborn of the Israelites, you're going to belong to me. You're going to be special to me. But then later throughout the wilderness, and we see kind of at the Mount Sinai and the golden calf, right? He then says, actually, I'm going to take the Levites. Instead of the firstborn of the whole nation, I'm going to take this whole tribe of the Levites, and they are going to be set apart to serve me. And as I mentioned several times going through the book of Leviticus, I think when we see this idea of being set apart, I've seen a lot of people kind of take things like this and apply it to pastors and people in ministry. I think it's better for us to take some passages like this and think through this is actually a picture of the church, that the church is a ransomed people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, and we should see ourselves as set apart from the world. And the picture that we see here of the Old Testament Levites should give us somewhat of a sense of our reality. And it shouldn't be a reality fulfilled by just customs and traditions, but really one of holiness and consecration to God. In chapter nine, we see an interesting scenario. First and foremost, it's celebrating the Passover. Really for the first time, they they celebrated it in Egypt as the Passover was actually happening for the first time. But now it's the first time they're celebrating it after the fact, where the first time it's really remembering what had happened, where God had passed over the homes of the Israelites as he struck down the firstborn of the Egyptians. And this is a holiday still celebrated in Israel to this day, but they are celebrating it. There's this interesting note that there was an exception for those that were unclean and could not celebrate Passover. There was a a, a makeup Passover one month later. Think of, you know, hey, if you couldn't celebrate Christmas because you were sick or something and you couldn't be around your family, well, hey, January 25th, we're going to have a makeup Christmas for all those who couldn't celebrate Christmas on Christmas. Uh, just think of something like that. That seems to be what's going on here. Uh, there's a makeup holiday a month after. And even there, it's interesting to see God making Even though we think of the Old Testament as something very strict, here God is making an exception for people that had a legitimate reason why they couldn't celebrate the Passover. And so we see God giving that exception while at the same time saying, hey, if you are just skipping the Passover and you're just ignoring this command that I'm giving you, well, that's that's on you and that's sin that should be punished. Uh, severely. And then we see at the end, this sense of the leading of God with the cloud by day and the fire by night. And when the cloud would move, the people were supposed to move. And when the cloud would stay, the people were supposed to stay. Now, again, I doubt there's any cloud or fire over your house, but I think we should get a sense of that. Are, Are we relying on God to lead? And even again, that brings us back to this idea of who are you crying out to? And uh, we want to be aware of that as we walk through life. Finally, we look at Acts 21, 17 through 26. And here, remember, Paul has gone to Jerusalem. And what happens here is he visits James, who the brother of Jesus was a very strong leader there in Jerusalem in the early church. 
And if you're wondering what's going on in that reading today, well, basically, Paul is going to do some things that were more ceremonial and accompany some men to the temple. And he's doing it to show Jewish Christians that he's out there preaching the gospel. He's not out there trying to destroy their culture and to just destroy all of their traditions and to look down on all of these things. No, he wasn't trying to do that. He was proclaiming the gospel. And that looks different in some of the customs. The Gentiles had different customs and that was fine. They had written a letter explaining, no, the Gentiles do not need to keep all these rituals and all of these things. But Paul was out there trying to give people the gospel, not just trying to destroy all of their traditions and look down on Jewish culture. And we see here, I think, a good example of Paul, how he was not afraid of offending people as he taught the gospel. And he would really go to battle against those that said to the Gentiles, you need to be circumcised to be saved. But he is also not trying to offend people when he doesn't have to. And that maybe is a good example for us. If we're going to be faithful to proclaim the gospel, that's going to offend people. But may we be sensitive not to offend people in ways when we don't have to, and even to be sensitive to people's backgrounds or or cultures or whatever it may be. I think it'd be good if a lot more of us had the boldness of Paul, but also the right sensitivity that he had. But in all of that, may we look to our God who is looking out on the world today. May we be those who fear him and the people that are crying out to him for mercy and for leadership today. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.